Hello, and welcome to the Still To Be Determined podcast. This is the podcast that follows up on topics from the YouTube channel Undecided with Matt Farrell. That channel is obviously with Matt Farrell, and so am I. I'm Sean <laughs> Farrell. I'm Matt's older brother. I'm a writer. I'll be asking the questions, and Matthew will say hello. Hello. Before we get into this episode of the podcast, just a couple of reminders about ways you can support it. You can, of course, keep listening or watching on YouTube, and you can also go to stilltbd.fm. There's a link on that page. You follow that link. It's how the internet works. <laughs> and then you get to a place where there's a cookie jar. You throw coins in the cookie jar. Those coins come to us, and we thank you. We also thank you just for listening. Some comments on our last episode, which was Circuit Breaker Circumstances. Katie Green wrote three. <laughs> it took me a moment, I'll be honest, Katie, to realize that I had asked a question. Rate yourself on a scale of one to ten. Where are you on the tech scale? I put myself at a solid two, and Matt put himself at a nine. So Katie's putting herself at a three. So good for you, Katie. You're a little bit ahead of me. Aaron Hope wrote, and I really like this comment, I'm definitely a nine with a two budget. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Which, yeah. I feel that. Zachariah Stovall wrote, I'm thinking about building a thousand square foot home with my brother's help. Definitely have to rewatch these videos to remind me of all these tips. I think that that's great that this can be a resource for you, Zachariah, but I'm also interested send us in some comments about how that project is going and, and what yeah. it's like. Uh, I am not in the midst of home building, but Matt absolutely is. And I think that sharing your experience would be something we would actually be very interested in. I'd also be interested in how he convinced his brother to help him out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yep. 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 <laughs> and finally this from pale ghost, Pale Ghost writes, I hope you don't think I'm going to stop bringing it up whenever it's relevant to future videos. I'm glad, I'm glad to hear you have some local projects that are implementing some principles that you talk about. Did you see the New York City Swale project before the pandemic? It's currently undergoing renovations to become a permanent floating park in 2022. So make sure to look out for it. Also, Matt, have you heard of the Boston Food Forest Coalition? There's a dozen places that you can check out there. Maybe bring a camera and take some footage for an undecided discussion. I think those are both great suggestions, Ghost, and we thank you for giving us those tips. Yeah, very awesome. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to definitely check that out. And as the world is reopening in our vaccinated, somewhat post, half post-pandemic lifestyle, the ability to actually travel and do some of these things, like for you to come to New York and see the floating park in 2022 actually feels like an option. So that's good. news. Yeah. Yeah. So on to today's episode, which I know everybody's chomping at the bit to get to oh. this topic. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Deep breath. <laughs> Breathe deep, everybody. It'll be okay. We're talking about the future of meat lab grown meat explained. This is from August 10th, 2021. And one of the things that stood out in the discussion after the episode, Matt, I know you had some thoughts about people's understanding between lab-grown meat and mm -hmm. plant-based meat. 
yes. which plant-based meat is readily available now. Yes. And lab-grown meat is still in the offing. Do you want to talk a bit about what those differences are? Yeah. I, I saw a bunch of comments on the YouTube platform as well as the other platform I'm on, which is called Odyssey, uh, that were making comments that came across that I don't think I did a good job explaining the differences between what's available today as plant-based meat alternatives and then transitioning into the lab grown meat, which is actual meat. It, people, I think some people were conflating the two and kind of got confused. And I kind of, I think it's because I didn't do a good job explaining the differences. Um, but plant-based meat, like impossible, the main ingredients are soy and potatoes. It's, it's taking alternatives, plants to simulate what meat is like, where the lab grown meat is actual meat. It's an actual cow cloned a chicken that's been cloned. So it's, it's actual meat, but it was never actually alive. So it was never walking on all fours. <laughs> it's right. just grown in a lab, but it's actual cow, it's actual chicken, it's actual goat or whatever they're going to be cloning. And that's the difference. And some of the comments I saw showed that there was a confusion between that and people were conflating the two as the same thing. And right. that's, they're absolutely not the same thing. Um, in fact, the first version of the video, I cut out an entire section that was about two minutes of video I cut because I showed this video to a few of my friends who are also YouTubers. Um, and one of which is basically a nutritionist. <laughs> he watched the video mm -hmm. and he was like this entire section. He said, I, it's, it's going down. A, it's opening a rabbit hole that I don't think you want to go down. So I cut down, I cut out a huge section, which was all about the impacts of farming on the environment. Um, I went in depth into that, but it was kind of opening up a Pandora's box that was going to, I thought, distract when i cut it out actually strengthened the video and i'm starting to question maybe i should have cut out the impossible meat and beyond meat stuff as well because it looked like it confused some people i think that it was i actually disagree with that i think it's kind of critical to talk about the full market experience and availability mm -hmm. right now it does make sense when you have some of the arguments that would come i think at a future date when lab grown meat is readily available would be okay health concerns dietary concerns if you are looking to avoid meat based uh the things that are in meat that are going to cause health impacts for you lab grown meat is not going to avoid those necessarily you're going to be dealing with cholesterol and fat levels and and things are going to be done for taste in lab grown meat to replicate what comes out of a cow mm -hmm. and the plant-based meats try to avoid some of that and market themselves as a healthier alternative. There are debates about the effectiveness yeah. of that because in order to get plant-based meats to be what they are, things are added in, which do include fat. So it's, they're also heavily processed. Yeah, very, very it's, heavily it's, processed. So I think that... Which is another argument yeah. that people say against them. Yeah. yeah. And and I do have to say for myself, um, one of the things that I was thinking in in this discussion is for me, the biggest positive to come out of this is the environmental impact. Yeah. You know, removing farms where you have... I remember there was an analysis in a class I took in college around nutrition, which talked about land usage. It takes six times as much land to produce 
a meat-based meal as it does to create a vegetarian-based meal. Precisely. Just from a land use perspective, that is a huge impact. And if farms and ranches started converting over to plant production as opposed to cow and chicken and other meat production, the result would be an explosion of vegetarian options as opposed to the meat options. And if the same amount of meat is then being produced in labs, the environmental impact is, is astounding. Um, yeah. That's actually part of the reason I cut, I went in depth into some of that in the video when I cut it. And part of the reason I cut it was it's almost a video to itself, which right. is the impact of farming and the environment. And there's something called regenerative agriculture, which addresses some of these issues. And it's not that you have to stop farming meat. We have to change how we're farming meat. We have right. to change how we're planting our crops and growing our crops from the way we do industrialized farming. So it, it felt like its own topic. And it was opening this Pandora's box that I wasn't going deep enough into. But because I was doing this glancing blow on it, it was like it was going to take the video off course from what I was meaning to talk about, which is specifically lab-grown meat and like right. the benefits of not using as much water, yeah. not needing as much land. So you could talk into talk about it in a more contextual way, right? But yeah, those are huge gains. It almost sounds like these kind of. I mean, a weird metaphor as you were talking about that. It makes me think of of something like giving somebody a tour of your home and passing a room and casually saying, "Oh, and that's the room where the ghost is," and then you keep going. Yeah, exactly. And <laughs> like, yes. wait, what? That can we go spend some more? Can we go spend some more time in there? And yeah. and you're like, no, 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 no. I'm trying to give you a tour of the den. Yeah, um, exactly. Some of the some of the initial comments that struck me as being worth bringing up included this from Sean Farrell, who wrote, "This should make for a disgusting, I mean, fun conversation for the podcast." Oops, <laughs> maybe I shouldn't have included that one right now. Um, there was this from Andrew Evangelista. This video has the highest puns per serving of any of Matt's videos yet. I and like it's a wonderful serving. pun. Yes. <laughs> yes, well done, Andrew. <laughs> you win. On the more serious side, there were lots of comments like these from Paul Glore, who wrote, as soon as stores start carrying it, I'll be on that train whenever it makes sense for me. I'm not a fan of how much antibiotics and hormones get used in industrial farming. That's the kind of, that's the kind of change that I think a lot of people are looking for who don't want to remove meat from their diet. Yeah. Like I said, there's small, there's actually research that shows smaller farms actually do far less impact on the environment than the large industrial farms. So it's not necessarily that we have to go to lab grown meat to get a cleaner meat, not with that giant air quotes. So it's like you can have meat that doesn't, isn't loaded with antibiotics and all these chemicals and stuff like that. We can do that today if farming changed, but to go one step further, that's where lab grown meat I think comes in. Mm -hmm. There was also this comment from Waker of Winds. If cultured meat becomes cheaper, I will go all the way with it. It's much better for the environment, and I have the hope that it'll make more expensive meat cheaper. And that raises an interesting point. When it comes to pricing, right out of the mm -hmm. gate, these lab-grown meats, let's say they hit the market in five years, they are definitely going to be more expensive than traditional From meats. day one, yes. They and... Will. I wonder if you have any estimates 
in your research that popped out about what that price might be, whether it's per pound or just in comparison to standard meat? And do you have a forecast for at what scale would it have to reach before the price started to fall? I, I don't have exact prices. There were articles I came across and a lot of these came from the (laughs) companies themselves. So you have to take with a gigantic grain of salt, but they were talking about it even tastier. Mm. (laughs) Actually it would, uh, they were talking about like within five years having price parity, that kind of a timeframe, um, potentially, it's the type of thing where if you start to look at any industry, like you look at any new technology that comes out, if you kind of look at like a decade long scale, maybe a decade from now, it will most likely be cheaper. So it's, it's just a matter of how quickly can they get the production to scale and reduce waste in their production. That's what it comes down to. Right. So it's, it's like a new uh, processor comes out or a new battery technology. It's like, and for every 10 they make, they have to throw five away because it doesn't pass quality assurance. Right. And then over time, it gets down to 80% are passing quality assurance, then 90% are passing quality assurance, and they can produce them, you know, a million at a time. It's like how quickly they can scale that up will determine how the price drops. So you're probably looking at a decade scale. Right. To me, from what I was saying, if, if this actually does become a thing, which it looks like it's going to be, um, it's definitely going to be the cheapest option, but it's going to be years away before it's the cheapest option. And I do wonder, too, about exporting or the ability to, right now, it doesn't make sense for meat processing to be done in in places where shipping then jacks the price up to a level of impossibility. You don't see a lot of... You'd be manufacturing this on, on location. So right. think about like, you'd have a factory in North Carolina, you'd have one in right. New England, you'd have one on the West Coast, you'd have one in UK. You can actually build these out wherever you need to. And so you'd be reducing shipping costs. But the biggest thing I think that's going to hold this back is probably policies and approvals. Right. Because I, in the video, I talked about how the price has dropped from... One of the first patties they were creating was like basically a quarter million dollars. <laughs> right. And now they can do it for five bucks. And that's just going to continue. But the question is only one place, Singapore, is the only place where you can actually eat lab-grown cultured meat in the form of chicken right now. Right. So that's, I think, going to be the biggest sticking point. Like, is the FDA going to approve this in the United States? Are other agencies around the world going to be approving this? Is there going to be a lot of resistance and um, pushback? Um, so that's the biggest thing. I think they right. have the biggest hurdle they have to overcome. And that approval process is never quick. It's, no. it's never quick. I mean, we're currently, mm-hmm. um, right now we're living through the, the reality that a vaccine is being promoted and people are, are going out and getting the vaccines. And I think that they should, I, th- I think it is the right thing to do during the pandemic, but it does not yet have FDA approval and this is being done from a human safety perspective without it having finished what is a long and arduous approval process. And so when it comes to something like, and that's for a a drug that's considered a, it's, it's a thing that's a life-saving necessity in a Mm -hmm. pandemic. 
something that's supposed to be just served over the kitchen table. I, I can't imagine that they're going to rush that. They're not going to rush rush that. No. Um, But from a genetic perspective, it's just meat, right? It's, it's just, it's muscle. Depending on it's, yes, it is actual meat, but there's some kind of scaffolding that's required to make it so that you can hit the texture. That scaffolding, I think is where most people are going to get hung up of like, oh, this is some kind of like soy based scaffolding or some kind of vegetable based scaffolding. Right. Like that three, 3d printed one I talked about, which is like the replicator. (laughs) Yeah. It's like they print some, they print some, they print meat cells and then they print some vegetable cells as the framework and the texture and they print more meat cells. And that way the meat cells can grow and it gives them something to grow into. And it's, it's, it's disgusting when you think about it, but I'm, I'm one of those people that's like, I cannot wait to try this. But then again, I'm an early adopter on pretty much everything. So I'm really excited right. to try this. Right. I just want lab-grown bacon. That's all I want is yeah. lab-grown bacon. It's – I'm right there with you because for me, one of the things that I, I know about myself, I've in recent years, just from a health perspective, I've cut back on the amount of red meat I haven't come mm-hmm. back as far as some people in my life who care about me would like me to. Um, <laughs> but I consider it like once or twice a week like is yep. typically where I, I fall. I eat a, a lot of chicken, um, but red meats, it's, it's much more limited. This would be the version of red meat that I think I would be drawn to. Mm-hmm. Just from an environmental perspective, just knowing that it was it was something that was helping to avoid the impact of the industrial farms. So that's for me. I'm I'm with some of the other commenters who pointed out that it's and and there's also this from from Vinicius Frias Aliate. I hope I said that even close to being right. They write, I don't want something that tastes like meat, just something that tastes good. But this is very interesting. And I think that that's a very good comment. It's one of those things that I know people who say, why does an industry constantly try to recreate meat taste in plant-based foods? The the Impossible Burger, is its goal is to be meat-like. Yes. Why not just eat a healthy plant-based diet? And I can understand that argument, but I also understand the other side, which is human nature. <laughs> there are some people who just want to eat meat and they know it's not good for them. And maybe finding those options that aren't actual meat, but they feel it satisfies a craving enough is, right. is what's going on there. So, yeah. And there's also getting protein is essential for a good diet and getting pro- the, the proper protein from just vegetables is harder. It's not impossible. Right. No, no pun intended, but it is, it's doable. It just takes more care and effort to make sure you're eating the right things right. to get all the protein that you need. Where if you eat meat, you're basically getting all the protein you need. It's like, it's, it's the right kind of protein. So it, it is easier to get the protein you need from meat. So with lab grown meats, it's kind of like killing two birds with one stone. Once again, there's no pun intended there, but, you 
get actual meat, you get the actual protein, and we're not having to have industrial farming and wasting all this extra water and land space and resources to get it. So it's kind of this great kind of like, I don't know, sliver where you're going to be getting that mass market of people drawn to it that would normally not want to give meat up in the slightest. And that's the part of it that gets me most excited because I I have many friends. I even mentioned him on the channel. He has a YouTube channel called Eat More Vegans (laughs) because cows are vegans and he talks about he just he's a grilling channel and he loves his meat it's like it'd be great if someday there were more sustainable options for him to cook and consume and enjoy because he's right. never gonna get out of meat and i would never expect him to it's like i'm not gonna ask him right. to um it's, it's it's his choice but to give him options is what i'm excited about that raises two other questions before we sign off today one of which is, I wonder what the future would hold for those people who enjoy things like ribs, hmm. like the consumption that includes, and this I think would fall into the cultural section. I could envision someday a lab saying we can make rib meat, but mm-hmm. they can't make the bone. And I th- wonder how much of a cultural thing there would be around people who'd be willing to spend possibly more money to be able to get actual rib meat with bone yeah. because culturally that's a big part of it. Or you think of like people who like eating drumsticks, that kind of, mm-hmm. that kind of mm-hmm. thing or chicken wings. I'm a huge chicken wing consumer and I'll be honest, a big part of the chicken wing for me is the skin. Yeah. And I don't know how you would replicate that with a lab grunt. You could probably make meat that tasted like chicken wing meat, but where's that skin? Where's that crispy skin I like? I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't doubt they can grow skin, (laughs) which sounds disgusting. Well, I know that they are currently trying to grow skin to help with like burn victims. That's exactly a completely other section of research for, for human medical But why couldn't you grow chicken skin? Why couldn't you say, let's give that, that skin to that chicken? (laughs) Wow, we're entering really weird territory. And gross. And gross, <laughs> which then takes us to, it It was something you brought up, and immediately I went to the next level of those places that are looking to make lab-grown meat out of animals you typically wouldn't eat. Yes. <laughs> yes. Uh-huh. And how many of those labs are looking at potentially making human meat? I know, Yes. It Some is people a ask the weird, ch- weird, slippery slope. Some people asked, would that actually be cannibalism? Because you're you're yeah. you're eating human meat, but you didn't kill a person to eat that meat. So is it cannibalism or is it not? Yeah. <laughs> that's that's a weird <laughs> place to go. Uh yeah. You mentioned a bunch of animals in the abstract, like kangaroo and like things that would there be a market for these among the very, I, I, to me, that sounds like that's like the super rich playground. Like the people yes, who is. are like, I want to pay a $10,000 meal for, to get lion without, mm-hmm. you know, killing a lion, that kind of thing. Um, but my question to you, <laughs> and I don't know that oh, I no. have an answer of my own. <laughs> oh, no. Is there an animal out there that you currently couldn't get ha- your hands on that you're like, <laughs> I wonder what that tastes like? My my answer is easy. 
it would be no because i don't like eating exotic meats in the first place so like right. for me i am i will eat cow and i will eat chicken and i will eat turkey i don't like eating fish <laughs> the idea of eating something like buffalo or mm. anything like that to me is it's getting into that ah, it's a little too exotic for me no thanks and so it's like the idea of like i could eat some endangered species or something <laughs> it's like nope i'm out thanks very much but no thank you what about you i think the the answer that comes to mind most readily um would be octopus because i've had octopus before and mm -hmm. it was one of the most delicious meals i've ever had but octopus are intelligent very and, and i will not eat them again because i know I look at them and I think like I couldn't do that to a creature that has that level of cognitive functioning. And, mm -hmm. um, I would feel the same way about a parrot, you know, a, a bird that's not, you look at a chicken and, and there's a part of you that knows that chicken is pretty stupid. Mm -hmm. Um, but you look at a parrot, <laughs> you can see the opposite. And so I think that that's the line for me is, is those animals that I, I would say, okay, there's no way I would want this slaughtered in my diet. But so animals that have have a certain level of self-awareness yeah and yeah. culture <laughs> maybe you would not want to yeah. touch so okay. but the big one like i wouldn't want to eat a parrot anyway like you said too exotic like what would be the point of that but having had octopus and thinking it was delicious and then as i got older realizing like oh this is this is not an animal i would want to do that to um so for moral reasons i stopped eating it so the ability to maybe have another octopus meal, even if it's mm -hmm. a 3D printed thing, I think that might be that's that might be on my list. That's part of why I'm excited about potentially lab grown bacon because pigs are very smart, and right. I have this disconnect of, oh, you're kind of an adorable little creature there, and oh, yeah. you're so delicious. Why do you have to be so tasty? Yeah. <laughs> so it's like a, I want to create a barrier there between me and the pigs because I feel guilty eating bacon. So that's the question we have for the listeners. Is there an animal out there that you're like, put that on my list if you can 3D print it, but until then, I'm not going to be able to do that. Let us know in the comments. You can also find the contact information in the podcast description, so you can reach out to us that way. Please do remember to subscribe, and don't forget, we have ways to directly support the podcast. You can go to stilltbd.fm, and you'll see the support the podcast link there. You can also keep doing what you're doing right now. Use your eyes, use your ears, check out the videos, check out the podcast. You can subscribe, give us a rating, a review. You can share us with your friends. All of these things really do help the podcast. And the podcast helps the channel. The channel helps Matthew. And then Matthew eats too many pigs. <laughs> we'll talk to you next time, everybody. Thanks so much for listening.